to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. I'm excited to be able to preach with y'all. Pastor Philip asked me to um, help him continue this series, and so I'm excited to be able to do that. He was doing I Connect this morning, so, um, you know, you're stuck with me. So that's... (laughs) Okay, so like he talked about, we talked about um, last week the um, gap... And the frustration when others don't meet our expectations. And you know, oftentimes we can expect things out of others that they were never really meant to do. That God had readily never planned out for them to do. And so it's easier for us if we just go ahead and accept that from the beginning. Accept them the way that they are. And then we're not so easily frustrated with them. I wanted to tell you guys a quick little story that when Pastor Philip preached this message that I thought about. And um, it's about Brady. Brady is my 13-year-old son, and he's off at youth camp. So I know that you guys are not going to tell him that I'm saying this, because to him it would be kind of embarrassing. But we're all just going to keep this just between us, right? Okay. So anyway, talking about expectancy and what we kind of expect out of people. Um, Brady was about nine or 10 years old when we moved from Zachary to Watson. And I'd never really known anything about that area. Well, apparently, and being there for almost five years now, I'll just tell you that baseball is king. Baseball is just so important over there. You've got kids that are like tiny little t-ballers playing tournament ball, you know, and things like that. And it's just Even now, after I've been there for a while, it still to me is kind of crazy how serious they take their baseball over there. Well, Brady had played t-ball, you know, before, so hey, you know, no big deal. He goes into school, he meets some friends, they're playing baseball, so we sign him up for baseball. And um, so he gets on his team, and he's scared. Like, he's so scared of this ball. It's, you know, he's scared to, from people throwing the ball at him. He's scared to hit the ball. He, he just, re- it's just really not his thing. But I'm thinking, he's a boy. We live in Watson. He's got to play baseball. Like, that's what he, you know, he's got to do. Jimmy will have to work with him. You know, no big deal. He'll be fine. So the season's almost over or whatever. And still, like, he's not excited about it. I'm kind of embarrassed when the kid gets up to bat. I'm just like, gosh, why do they have to put him in, you know, or whatever. So anyway, I think it might have been Dale um, Goodrich. I'm not really sure. I tried to remember this last night who had asked him. But they said, Brady, you know, you're playing baseball or whatever. And he said, yeah. And he said, well, what position do you play? And Brady looked over at me. And I was like, well, tell him, you know. He said, um, nine and ten-year-olds. I was like, seriously? Okay, obviously I have an expectation for this child that has not, it's not for him. You know, that just was not what he was meant to do. So now he's successfully playing basketball. You know, he really enjoys that, you know, or whatever. He made his middle school team this year. I'm really proud for him about that. But, you know, he's, he's doing what God has, you know, given him the talent to do. Not something that his parents and, you know, where he's kind of at, kind of expects out of him. So, Today we're going to be able to talk about not allowing the expectations of others to control us. 
I titled my message today, At His Feet. So there's a couple things, though, that I want um, us to understand, whether we're talking about us not meeting other people's expectations or, you know, them not meeting ours. I think there's some, you know, a couple of things that we really just need to be reminded of and remember that we're all unique. We're all unique. What may be, you know, what God may have created you to do, he didn't create me to do. He created all of us for a unique and specific purpose and a plan. Another thing is that not everyone will understand you. Not everybody's going to understand you because what you may be passionate about, what you may care about, others are not going to care about. You know, they may not think it's as important. And so we can't let that deter us from doing things that God has called us to do because other people may not find it as important. Don't let that make you think that what you're doing or what he has for you is not important because it still is. It's specific for you. And we have to look past that if we're going to passionately pursue the God-given call in our life. Another thing is, is that not everyone knows your story. Not everyone knows where you've been. They don't all know what God has brought you from. They don't know how, you know, what it took for you to get where you are today. Maybe you're somebody that struggled with debt and overspending, and God has really challenged you in that area, and he's just telling you, you know, let's get it straight. But your friends don't understand why you can't go out to dinner with them all the time, or they don't understand why, you know, you're still driving that car. They don't understand that because they don't understand where God has brought you to right now. So if we're going to, you know, if we're going to just release those expectations in our life, I think those are things that we really need to remember, you know, that we're unique, that, you know, we don't always have to meet everybody's expectations. Okay. So we're going to read from a familiar story today in John, John chapter 12. You guys can go ahead and get there. Um, Last week, we talked about the frustrations when others don't do what we think they should do. And in this story, we're going to see how Mary was judged for something that she did, not something she didn't do. She did something that was crazy. She did something that was lavish and out of the ordinary. And so we're just going to start reading from John chapter 12. It's going to start in verse 1. It says, Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas, the disciple, who would soon betray him, said, That perfume is worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared about the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So from this story, we see that this is a party that that probably Mary and Martha had planned for Jesus. You know, in his honor, they wanted to do something really special for him. So he's there. Lazarus is there, their brother that was raised from the dead. So you've got Martha in the kitchen. You've got Lazarus kind of just hanging out in the recliner. He's probably glad to just be resting since he, you know, just was dead. Now he's alive, you know, or whatever. So he's just kind of hanging out. He's, he's good. You know, you have Judas who, in my mind, I just picture him sitting right next to Jesus because he's just so, you know, devious and evil. And you just imagine he's just sitting there just kind of soaking it up and, you know, just like rubbing shoulders with Jesus. And so then you have Mary and Mary was a worshiper. Mary was somebody who was so passionate about God and just wanted to do things for God. And so I just see her there just anxious. I just see her so anxious. Here comes Jesus. He got to the party. She knows what she's going to do. She's ready. Like she's got it and she's prepared. 
So anyway, I want to give you four points today from this story that I think is going to encourage us and help us to understand how we can release ourselves from the controls and expectations of everyone else. All right, point number one. Who was the dinner for? It says in verse two that the dinner was planned in Jesus's honor. Judas didn't like it. He ridiculed her. He questioned Mary. You know, he tried to make her feel like, you know, why did you do this? You know, we should have given this to the poor. He was trying to make her second guess what she had already planned to do. And I'm sure the other people at the party did their, you know, too. Once they heard him, they were like, yeah, Mary, like, why did you do that? That was kind of crazy, you know. But you see, the dinner wasn't held in Judas's honor or Martha's honor or their brother Lazarus' honor. It was planned especially in Jesus's honor. He was the guest of honor. And when Jesus has the seat of honor in our life, the expectations and opinions of others, they lose their weight. When we're able to sit him at that seat of honor in our life, those voices, those things that people come in and try and make you second guess and question why you're doing what you're doing, they lose their weight in our life because he has that number one seat. He has that number one seat of honor. You know, Mary didn't care what the other people at the party thought about her gift, about her act of sincere worship, because the party wasn't for them. This wasn't about them. When we begin to realize that our lives are not intended to please everyone around us, but to please Jesus, we'll be set free from the control of others. You know, trying to make everyone around us is an exhausting job. And I am guilty of this. I am just as much preaching to myself as I'm speaking to you guys today because I'm typically a people pleaser. You know, I I want to, I want people to like me. I want, you know, them to... I don't, you know, I I typically like to please people. I, you know, I tend to listen to the voice of others too much. I tend to allow that too much in my life. And so I know that I'm not the only one that does that. I know that we're all guilty of that at times. And so we spend too much time concerned and worried about what others think. We're constantly trying to impress them and make us, you know, make them think that our lives are something. You know, we're constantly trying to do that. It says in Proverbs 3, this is the Living Bible Translation. I'd never heard this translation before when I was studying. I didn't even know what the Living Bible was, but this was a translation that I found that I really liked. It's a familiar verse, Proverbs 3, 6. It says, in everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. You see, when he has that number one seat in our life, the things that we begin to do for him, he's going to make successful. He's going to make successful in our life. And Jesus isn't asking us to try and spend our time, you know, pleasing and impressing other people. He only wants us to be faithful to him. He wants us to give him that seat of honor in every area of our life. You know, not just our marriage and not just our kids, every area of our life, every room in our life. He wants to have that seat of honor. He wants to be number one. Amen? Amen. Number two, breaking the bottle will bring opposition. I want to read you a quote from Aristotle that uh, while I was studying and preparing for this message, I found. It says, to avoid criticism, say nothing, do nothing, be nothing. You see, because criticism criticism is always going to come. It's going to come. It's just a matter. It's not a matter of when it's coming. You know, matter of if it's coming, but when it's coming. It's because it's coming. You know, when we choose to do something extraordinary for God, when we decide to step out in faith, we will meet opposition. Because everyone has an opinion. You know, we all have an opinion. We all have an opinion about what everybody else is doing. And a lot of times we're guilty of voicing that opinion a little bit too much when we maybe just need, as Christians, to kind of keep it to ourselves sometimes. You can either listen to the opinions of others and allow it to direct you or ignore it and follow the voice of God. 
We have to make sure that the voice of God is louder in our life and more important than the voice of others. I found this picture that I wanted to show you um, today. It says, dream big, and if others don't like it, dream bigger. You know, if other people don't like the dream that God has given you, that's not, that's not your fault. You know, God has given you a dream. Maybe he's asked you to start a ministry. Maybe he's asked you to go on a missions trip. I don't know, but I'm telling you that if God has given you a dream and other people don't like it, oh, well, you know, you have to move on from that. And so I want to give you an example of a big dream, of a God-sized dream. Um, You're actually sitting in a big God-sized dream. And I don't mean um, the building or HFLC as a church. I mean the service. You see, our pastor had a God-sized dream of two services, of moving us from one service to two services, the 9 and 11 o'clock. Around the end of September, he presented that to our leadership. And as there was so much excitement and knowing that, you know, we're moving forward as a church, we're excited. But I would be lying to you to tell you that there wasn't, you know, questions as well. There were concerns. There were fears. Can we do this? Are we ready for this? Is there going to be two people in one service and 200 in the other? Like, how's this going to work? Do we have enough people? You know, there was excitement, but there were concerns. But I have to tell you that I am so thankful that we have a pastor who cares more about the voice of God in his life than he does about the voice of others in his life. I'm thankful that, you know, even though he himself may have had some of those fears and concerns, he was steadfast and strong, and we trust him in that position. And so I'm just so thankful that he didn't allow the objections or the opposition or the fears of other people to stop him from doing what God knew that, you know, what he knew that God had asked him to do. And I really, truly believe, as you have seen, if you've been here for any length of time, our church is growing and growing and growing and just being blessed by God. And I don't think it's because we're able to sit either in a nine o'clock or an 11 clock. It's not because we have options. It's because we have a pastor who listens to the voice of God and God has rewarded his faithfulness for doing so. If we allow the objections of others to control us or stop us, then we're going to miss out on the amazing blessings that God has planned for us when we're faithful to him, just as Pastor Philip was faithful to him to go ahead and move forward with those two services. You see, what if Mary had listened to the voices of others at the party? She could have, because there was no rule that said that she had to go and take a year's worth of wages. She probably had it in her safe somewhere, you know, that's a lot. That was something special to her. So she probably had it tucked away. There was no rule that said she had to do that. She did that because she was passionate, because she had something inside of her that was bursting out, and she just wanted to give it to God. You see, she would have missed out on an amazing act of worship to Jesus. Don't let the words of others bring missed opportunities in your life. Because there's so many people that need what only you have to give. What God has uniquely designed you to do, there's so many people that have that. Don't let somebody else diminish that, you know, or or make it seem not so important. Because there's so many people that have only what you have to say or what you want you have to give. And if we allow the voices of others to do that, then we're gonna we're gonna stop that call of God on our life. And I just want to challenge you with something as well that um, maybe you're saying, well, I don't really have anybody that's. been saying anything to me. Everything's fine. Nobody is opposed to anything that I'm doing. And I just want to challenge you just as I'm challenging myself today, that if you haven't faced opposition lately, then maybe you haven't been breaking any bottles. Maybe there are no bottles in your life that are being broken. Maybe they're still all sitting on the shelf nice and pretty. Don't grow so complacent and comfortable in your life that you're no longer doing bold things for God. I want to read you, um, a verse out of 2 Corinthians is 2.15. It says, our lives 
are like a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are life-giving perfume. You see, that thing that God has given you, it's life-giving perfume to other people. And so let's make sure that we're being life-giving perfume to those around us. Point number three, look through the insult. We have to consider sometimes the motives of people who are attacking us or who are opposing us. You see, in the story we read about Judas, Judas's motives were not for the poor. He didn't care about giving to the poor. Judas's motives were selfish. They were for him. He was only mad because he didn't get that expensive gift for himself. I was thinking about this, and I think there are so many reasons why people can be opposed to the things that we're doing. Um, but I kind of narrowed it down to three. And so those three reasons, I think, are jealousy, insecurities, and sin. Oftentimes, people can be, and we can be, if we're being really honest, we can be so jealous of other people. Jealousy is the devil, the devil, the devil. And it will sneak up on you and creep up on you if you don't have your guard up. You know, we do this, people. We're jealous. We are jealous of someone else's car or their home or their call that God has given us. Whether you are someone who's, maybe you're jealous that Megan can sing and you can't. I don't know, but there are lots of things that we allow jealousy to just eat us up. And when people are jealous of what you have or what you're doing, they criticize you in order to make themselves feel better. It makes them feel better to make you think that what you're doing is not so special anyway, not so important anyway, you know. And I just hope that we can challenge our own selves that we're not being that person in someone else's life. You know, we can't be that person in someone else's life that just talks down to someone else just because we're jealous of what they have. Insecurities. A lot, oftentimes people will oppose us and, you know, speak negatively towards us because of their own insecurities, They're broken and they're hurting, and sometimes they don't even realize it. So the last thing they want to see is someone who is confident, who is happy when they're miserable with themselves, because misery seeks company. Um, I shared this with the Bible study a couple weeks ago when I was able to speak for them. um, I knew that I had to speak for Bible study, and I, I... reluctantly, well, you know, I bought these season passes for my kids to Cajun Lagoon, which if y'all don't know what that is, it's basically like the Livingston Parish Water Park. It's like a pond and it has inflatables on it, you know, or whatever. So anyway, if you can just wrap your brain around that, it's a blast. Um, But anyway, we went and my kids were all excited. So I gave in, you know, bought these season passes and I, I lost sleep over it for like two or three days. I'm like, why did I do that? so stupid, you know, whatever. So the day that I had Bible study, here I am at Cajun Lagoon, um, sitting there, you know, all day long with my kids, because I'm trying to get my money's worth out of these season passes, you know, whatever. I, I need to feel better about this, okay? So anyway, so when it gets time for Bible study, here I am, I feel unprepared. I'm feeling insecure because I know that I have to teach that day, and I just really don't feel ready. And that's just being honest, you know? And so I just didn't feel ready. It felt like the kids were driving me crazy all day. You know, so many other things were just kind of aggravating me. And so I'm coming in here thinking, Lord, like, how am I going to do this? You know, this beating myself up about it. 
And then I, um, I see Miss Ann. She's the first person. Miss Ann is Pastor Philip's mom. And if you know Miss Ann, like, just see the person that always has a smile on her face. That's Miss Ann. She's always happy. You'll never, ever, ever know if she's having a bad day because she's always so happy. And so I'm not that person. If I'm having a bad day, typically you know it, which is a definite flaw in my life. But typically, you know, you know it. And so, anyway... Miss Ann opens the door and she was like, hey, Kayla, so excited about you teaching tonight. She's just so happy. And I'm like, what is her problem? I don't understand why she always has to be happy. Like, does she ever have a bad day? You know, like, what is wrong with her smiling at me like this? You know, all I wanted was to stay in my pity party. I'm going to sulk and I'm just going to be, oh, poor you. You know, you had to sit at the Livingston Parish Water Park all day long and not really prepared for what you got to do. You know, so anyway, that was an insecurity that it was in my own life. And I wanted her to be miserable because I was miserable. But the, but it backfired because her smile and her being sweet and kind to me made me just like snap out of it and say, okay, get over yourself get over yourself, you know, and you get in there and you teach that Bible study like you know you can do and you'll be fine, you know, or whatever. And so I think so many times we do that. We have these insecurities in our own life, whether, whatever it may be, and we force that on other people and it's not fair that we do that. So the second thing I wanted to say was sin. A lot of times people can oppose us and, and, you know, give us negativity because of their own sin. They may be attacking us because they feel convicted about something in their own life. So they try and point out our flaws or our shortcomings to make themselves feel better. Judas did this. Judas was a thief. So, of course, he wanted Mary to feel bad because she was a giver. He wanted to try and make her feel bad about what she was doing to make himself feel better. And it's something that so many people can do to us, but we can do to so many people. And we just have to be aware of that, that we're not, you know, giving that out to other people. Also, I think it's important that we remember that these people deserve grace, too. It's so hard to put aside the negativity that they're spewing and understand that they're hurting. It doesn't give them a right to put us down. It doesn't give them a right to treat us this way. But it does help us if we look at them through the eyes of compassion versus the eyes of frustration. My last point, point number four, is what was the reason for the attack? Where was Mary? We read in the story, Mary was down at Jesus' feet. She was at his feet. The others in the room were trying to take her out of that position. When we're surrendered and sold out, our lives living for God, he holds the full seat of honor on our lives. And there will always be people trying to pull us away from that path. When we're at his feet, that's when we experience true freedom and true peace and hope and just compassion for other people. The world doesn't want us in that place. They, it wants to pull us out of that place. You see, when we remove ourselves from that place, now we're open for criticism and we're open for the lies of the devil. We can't control what comes in. We can't control what other people are going to, you know, say to us, but we can control what we allow to stay there. We can control that. And when we're at his feet, when we're surrendered to him and bowed down to him, it's a lot easier to let that stuff out than when we're standing up and have let ourselves open to the world and to what the world has to say about us. We have to stay at his feet. You see, Judas wanted Mary to get up and respond to his comments, but she didn't because she knew exactly where she needed to be. I think this next statement is so powerful because it says, because she didn't get up, Jesus responded for her. She was down. She was low. And Jesus said, wait a second. You leave her alone. You leave her alone. She's doing what she came here to do. He responded for her. 
Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. That's all we need to do. There's no need to get up because Jesus has your back in your front and your side. He's got it under control. We don't need to fight back with those people that are bringing us down. We don't need to do that. We need to stay low and stay at his feet and let him fight that battle for us. Life is going to try and discourage us. When you walk out of this room today, life is going to try and discourage you. People are going to try and discourage you, whether it's mental, you know, whether it's purposeful or, or not on purpose, they're going to try and do it. People are going to try and bring you down. So stay low, stay low at his feet and keep your eyes straight on him and allow God to take care of the rest. Amen. All right. If you guys would stand for me this morning. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Master.